Some people seem to move almost effortlessly from planning into action, but appearances can be deceiving. It all comes down to having a process that works for you. I'm your host, M. David Green. Hack the Process is a show about looking at the systems and processes that we build our lives around to support mindful, meaningful progress. This show explores ways that people get past that pivot point, from having a fantasy to putting something real out there into the world. If you're ready to stop planning and fantasizing and start taking action, let's hack the process together. Thriving through adversity is something today's guest, Lewis Congdon, can speak about with authority. Having survived a childhood marred by drug abuse, abandonment, violence, and homelessness, Lewis has turned his life around, going from trying to help himself to finding ways to help others. From relationship coaching to helping entrepreneurs launch their businesses, Lewis now makes it a point to support himself while improving the lives of those around him and giving away as much as possible for free. In this episode, Lewis will share with us some of the personal mindfulness practices he follows to keep himself centered and grounded in difficult situations. Tell us how learning to see himself differently helped him present a different face to the world. And walk us through how he manages his own thriving business today. So today I'm talking with Lewis Congdon, and he is the host of a couple of podcasts and also teaches people about how to podcast. Lewis, how are you doing today? I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Energy is real high, and, and I'm excited to be here with you guys and bring value to you and your audience. Well, fantastic. Well, my audience is always really interested in how people got themselves over the hump from having an idea to putting it out there in the world and making something real happen. And I know you've got an interesting origin story for when you started your first podcast. Yeah, that seems to be the theme today. And, I, and I'm really loving this theme. And this is a theme today is how do we overcome this hump? How do we take an idea and turn it into something? But also, how do we overcome our past when it's impacting our ability to overcome? I mean, that is the hump a lot of times is not just what's in front of us, but what's behind us, you know? So it's kind of like stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's your past and there's your future, and they both look kind of difficult. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of success with podcasting. Things have grown very quickly for me. And just like many of you listening, I've had to overcome a lot of struggles. One of my first struggles in life was the loss of my mother when, when I was five years old. And before that, the first five years, first five years of my life, I was being raised by this woman who was addicted to cocaine and alcohol, would leave the house all day long, lock me and my sister indoors so we couldn't leave the house. Then she'd come home and do drugs. Then she was murdered when I was five years old and I was left homeless. Then a few years later, I was put into an orphanage and adopted. Then a few years after that, my adopted parents got divorced and I was just with my dad. And then, you know, being an adult, eventually I became homeless again as an adult. And that was just a few years ago. So the person that you're looking at isn't too far from that rock in a hard place because just a couple of years ago, life had pretty much tumbled. Everything had crumbled and fallen apart. I had no savings. I didn't really, I didn't feel like I had much and I was sleeping on my friend's couch and that would kind of wear dry. So I would sleep in my car sometimes, a car that I didn't really have money to put gas into and I wasn't paying insurance on. And then I would, I was sleeping in a park nearby living in the Northwest in Seattle, Washington during October, November, and December, it's not a cozy place to sleep in a car or a park. And that's where my life was. And I eventually got to this point where, how do I get out of this? You know, I can't continue living this way better than this. I'm depressed. I don't feel good. I feel like I want to die. 
but there's people that have believed in me. There's people that still love me. So I've got to change. Something has to change. And how do I do that? And that's really the question that you're asking, right? Well, it's about how do you get yourself from a place where you realize that there's something in your life that you want to change and actually put something out there into the world and make it real, make it happen. Mm. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So the first thing for me is your mindset. Anthony Robbins says that 80% of success is your mindset. You know, there's about 20% is that is action. And, and I believe it, but I actually, I would shift his proportions and say more like 90, 95% of success is your mindset. Because some of the things that I've discovered about myself and observing other humans is that when we have a certain focus, that's what we see. And what we see creates an outcome or what we think creates a result. Buddha at one time said, we become what we think, right? And, and I really believe in that. So the mindset for me is pivotal in shifting and creating any kind of new results that we'd like to have in our lives. And that mindset can come how, how you think about the thing that you want, the thing that you wanna have, and also even how you interpret your past and the stories that you're telling yourself about the past. Because if you believe, well, you know, I've never had success in that area, you know, to, to kind of bring it home. When I was 24 years old, I had graduated college. I had gone to a really amazing private school and through my life being an athlete, but I had never had a girlfriend and I was incredibly shy and nervous around women. I was shy and nervous around people. I had social anxiety, but my mindset around dating and women was women probably don't like a guy like me. It's odd. I remember now, like I can laugh about it because I remember at one point thinking, well, Girls probably don't like a guy who's into poetry and who's into sports and, and isn't really a jock and, and is a sensitive guy. I thought, that's just not the kind of guy women want. When I was 24 years old, I started saying, well, what if there was a different story? What if there's a lot of women that actually do want a guy who's in great shape and is also sensitive and isn't a jock? <laughs> like to me now, I'm like, of course, there's a lot of people that want that. But my mindset, it wasn't supportive of that reality. Now, that's interesting because you talk about changing your mindset. I'm curious if you have a mindfulness practice or some sort of procedure that you go through to help with you working on your mindset. You know, there's two different things that I really believe are really powerful around mindset. And one of those things is just entering a place of silence where really nothing else is needed. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to create anything. Literally, you just close your eyes and you just breathe. And there is nothing for you to be, nothing for you to do. Everything is perfect as is. And even if it's not perfect, that's okay. But it just is. And, and you just enter that space. Deepak Chopra in his books really talks about this a lot of entering this place of silence. It's not a complicated state where you're in this crazy euphoria or your mind isn't really having thoughts. It's just you're being silent and you're slowing down. That's one practice that I have and I think it's a great practice. So that's one of the things, one of the practices that I really enjoy. The other practice that is really powerful when it comes to changing your mindset, and this is one that I like to go to when I'm having a really, having a hard time shifting how I feel about something. And it's a, simple, so I'll walk you guys through it because it sounds complicated at first, but let's say you want to have a different result in dating. And so an example for me is I wanted to have dates and I wanted to feel comfortable around women, but I didn't. And I, and I had a lot of social anxiety. So one of the things that I started doing this exercise was write three feelings that you would like to start experiencing more often around women, right? Mm. What are some experiences that you would like to have 
when you're in this dynamic of dating or conversing with women. So I wrote down three feelings. I'd like to feel calm, peaceful, and relaxed, right? And confident. Like these are different feelings that I'd like to have. So then under peaceful, you just write down what's the time you felt peaceful. So my answer for that was, well, when I did yoga, I remember this one time I felt really peaceful. All right, great. So I write down while doing yoga at one time, I felt really peaceful. And I write about that maybe a particular time that I felt very peaceful. So you write that down. It can be just quick little notes, just enough for you to take a look at your notes. Second feeling is I wanted to feel really calm. When was the time that I felt that way? Oh, when I was playing with my dog. So I write that down, you know. So then once you've written this down, let's go back to the feeling of peaceful during a time of yoga. So now all you're going to do is you just close your eyes. You just take a deep breath and you start putting yourself in that place when you were doing yoga. So I'm putting myself in that space of doing yoga. I'm laying on the ground. I can feel the mat. I can feel what my feet felt. I can feel what my body felt. I can feel the ground. I'm in that space. And as soon as you feel that feeling that you wanted to bring up, that sense of feeling peaceful, you do something unique with your body, something to help anchor it, right? This is like an NLP thing. We don't need to, I don't want to go into it too much, but neuro-linguistic programming, all we're doing is creating an association, associating two things with each other, right? So you want to do something unique with your body, ideally something that you can do, even if other people are looking at you, and other people won't know that you're triggering an emotion for yourself. So when you watch people like Anthony Robbins, he snaps his fingers a lot. If you've ever watched Anthony Robbins, what he's actually doing is he's putting himself in a state. He's triggering a feeling by doing that snapping. I'm not a snapping person while I'm talking to people, but what I am is I'm a breathing person and sometimes I'm a real calm person. So for me, close my eyes, I'm breathing, I'm feeling that state of feeling really relaxed and calm. I'm in yoga. I can, there's a blue mat underneath me. It's this mat I've had for a long time. I'm in the, the dojo because it took, it took this class in the martial arts place. The class has just ended. I feel really relaxed. And once I feel that feeling, something unique for me was my hand on my stomach. Deep breath, breathe out and actually do a belly breath. For, for you, it could be maybe you touch your ear, maybe you rub your finger, but you want to do something that you normally don't do. Because if it's, you know, you touch your head, but you always do that, then it's not going to work too well. So we do something unique. For me, it's breath, hand on the stomach. And then for a period of about 10 or 15 days, every night before I went to bed, I did that. And literally, it's going to look like this. Close my eyes. I'm in the yoga center, I'm in the dojo, I'm laying down, feeling peaceful, breath, hand on the stomach, and release it, open my eyes, go to bed. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, I'm in the yoga center, I'm feeling calm, oh, there it is, deep breath, I feel great, I feel that feeling of peacefulness, and breathe out, hand on the stomach, open my eyes, that's it. So it's, it's very short. It's a very powerful technique. And one of the things that really impresses me is you pre-plan what the place is going to be. And then you do that unique anchor That's right. so that you don't have to waste your, your brain cycles trying to decide, oh, how am I going to make myself feel calm right now? Right. You have a process That's and then right. it becomes a habit. So then what I started doing is you just do this for a period of like maybe, you know, you want to do it for a while because this next piece that I'm going to teach you guys is really crucial. Y you have to get to a point where you've practiced this enough 
And again, I showed you how short it can be. It can be 20, 30 seconds. Close my eyes, feel that peacefulness. Breath, hand on the stomach, breathe out, open my eyes, done. Do it the next day, right? And do it twice a day or do it once a day before you go to bed. But at least do it once a day if you can when you wake up and before you go to bed. Those are the two times that your mind is the most available to program. So you program it. You're doing this for you know, 15, 30 days. And I got to a point where I would be talking to somebody, especially like a beautiful woman who I felt myself attracted to. And all of a sudden, my palms are kind of starting to sweat. My heartbeat's changing. My mind is racing. I feel like somebody just poured water on a computer. My circuits are frying. And I remember having this experience. I'm talking to somebody and I'm feeling really nervous. And just like I'm about to do with you, I just actually stopped what I was saying and looked at the person, took a deep breath. They don't even, people don't even notice that I just took a moment in between thoughts to just, and I triggered that. And then what happens is my speaking actually slows down. I become calmer and I exude a certain confidence. I, I just consciously kind of did it with you a little bit more than I need to nowadays, but I just did it. I remember having this experience of, and looking at this person and nothing had changed about them. But in my mind, I thought, whoa, I just took a moment to take a deep breath. They didn't notice. I feel more comfortable and relaxed. And I started getting a lot of dates and I started getting dates with the kinds of women that I found really attractive, very beautiful, awesome people. Then I started using this to speak on stages, to make sales, to do podcast interviews with very famous people. And all I have to do is just, and it goes off. And that feeling is that feeling is there. It's in my body. I've anchored it and, and, and nothing can take that feeling away from me because I can bring it back anytime I want. This is part of what you teach in your lasting love connection, right? This is some of the stuff that I used to teach in the relationship world. I, I no longer work in that world. All I really do now is I teach business owners how to have business success through podcasting, social media, and just business in general. But I have certain specialties, which are podcasting is one of my specialties. And I can take someone on social media and help them grow their audience and generate income through f the free mediums of social media like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. That's interesting. So what, what does the structure of your business look like these days? How much of it is coaching and how much of it is teaching? I don't do a lot of coaching or teaching, honestly, because we have digital products. So I have three courses where people can you know, sign up, they pay $1,000 and they get these courses. They can pay $99 a month and, and spread out the payments, but essentially they'll, they'll pay $1,000 for this program because I have two different programs and they can walk themselves through this course. And then with the courses, I generally, yeah, at certain different times, I will offer like a 20 or 30 minute coaching session that comes with the course. And that's for the most part, all the coaching I do. And then we have some programs where we have some kind of higher up clients that are paying at minimum a couple grand a month and I coach them, but we also do some work where it's done for you. So for example, they show up, I've made it so that all they have to do is push record and then just enter, go into their email, upload something, send it to me and I handle the rest. And we might meet for half hour, an hour, once or twice a month to kind of check in but it's really mostly a done for you program or digital products. And then I have a few clients that are just strictly coaching and I don't do anything else except just get on a call and I teach them things and I coach them through things, but there isn't too many of those clients. And I like to keep it that way because I really want to devote a lot of time to coaching clients or clients who have 
things where we're doing all of it, where the team is fulfilling almost everything for them. I want to be very available to them. And then on top of that, honestly, I spent a lot of time giving away things for free. I have that group that's got nearly, we're, we're reaching 1,600 people inside that group. I also run three other Facebook groups, two Twitter accounts, an Instagram account, a Google Plus account, and then a podcast that's five times a week. And almost all those things are done for free. The, there's three different Facebook groups, though, that are for my clients. And so those are paid places. But what you're looking at is somebody who's creating a lot of content, a lot of value, a lot of giving and, and helping people. And, and, and that is the primary structure of my business because that's the primary way that I like to function in the world. But just by the nature of all of that, people do have to pay when they need more than what I can provide beyond a five-day-a-week podcast and a Facebook group that almost every single day I'm doing something in there and, and everything else that I'm doing. It sounds like then the things you're giving away for free are how people find out about you. And then once they found out the value that you have to offer, you can upsell them potentially to the things that they need and the things that are appropriate for them. Yeah, you know, we've definitely found, I found that the more value that I provide for people, the more likely that they will turn into clients. And that's just the kind of this is beautiful structure for me because I want to give value. I want to give. I want to share. I've done so much for inside the Facebook group, for example, for podcasters. I originally started that group because to me it was an answer to the expensive groups that I saw out there. And it was an answer for me to create something more intimate than all the other groups. But really it started with this idea of other people are paying over $1,000 to be part of this group that I, I had the privilege to join but I only had the privilege because somebody helped me financially. Not everybody has that. So how could I start a group that does everything that one does and more, but completely free? And and that guy will continue to find his clients and whatnot. But what if the people that don't need to spend that money could join my group? What if the people that can't afford that can join my group and get the exact same value and the same level of education, but can get it for free because I have the privilege to be able to do that? And so it's a real... It's really harmonious for me that I get to give so much and it also equals, it, it turns into business. For me, it's like this symbiotic relationship of these natural laws, but I, I, I want to lead with giving. That isn't to say that I've had to do tons of work to find out that balance because if you give too much and you don't know how to run a business, that can hurt you a lot. So I've gone through an immense amount of transformation and education to figure out how much can I give and also how do I also in a, in a very strategic, caring, empathetic, and, and, and also business-orientated way, how can I shift things when they need to, to, well, this is a paid part of my business. And, you know, I've got to eat. We've all got to eat. We've got a business to run. And because I make the, the, the money that I make now, I'm able to devote more time to giving also. So to, there's, this, there's this thing at play. But I struggled with that at first, you know, coming from 10 years of nonprofit, primarily helping homeless people, to trying to run my own business, I made a lot of mistakes and, and, and had a huge learning curve of the difference between running a nonprofit and running a business. I can imagine. How did you actually learn the business techniques that you put into place for your own business? How did you structure that? Well, one, I've been very fortunate that I've had a lot of support around me. I, I found a nonprofit that gave me an eight-week mentoring class to run a business. So that was one of the first things, this nonprofit completely paid for me to take this eight-week class with them. It wasn't the most in-depth stuff. It's really basic, 
but it, it was kind of like my training wheels. They gave me something. And then I started reading tons of books. I mean, if you want to learn something, we're at a point where you can go to YouTube, you can go to, you can go anywhere and you can find the answer and you can find it pretty much for free. And, and you know, if you have money, you can find it, get it faster and maybe a little bit more conveniently. But if you want to search around, you can get it for free and, and put all the pieces together. So I've had all those different things with me. And then I've also learned how to barter really well and trade and do exchanges with a lot of people. Because when I was broke, I just, I didn't have income. The bartering thing is kind of a harder way to go, but it can work. And, and it's still even very high level people barter. But early on, that's, you know, that's kind of what I did is it's like, dude, I'll trade you 10 hours for one hour of your time, you know, because that's kind of where I was. I could give time away, but I didn't have money and I could give something, I could give something and I could contribute somehow. So that's part of how I got my education. And then I also, my business partner, who's my life partner, Kamala Chambers, she's my partner and she's actually been doing business for close to 12 years and she's given me heaps of education and support and inspiration but I still had to figure out chunks of it on my own, large chunks of it on my own. I've just been really fortunate too that I found free ways to get the support. And now that I have the income, I gladly pay for it. Just this week, I've paid for two different digital courses and consumed them in one night because I'm so I'm very committed to education and, and, and trying to improve myself. Now, I think it's important to stay in touch with the community that is selling these things and creating these things. That's right. And I'm curious, what products do you use? How do you structure your own courses? What do you use to create your community and to manage your courseware? Like digital courses? Yeah, sure. What services are you are you using these days? Yeah, yeah. So for me, one of the course, one of the things that we're using is ClickFunnels. We use ClickFunnels to manage our emails. So anytime anybody gives me their email, it goes into ClickFunnels. Then we use ClickFunnels to build out membership sites. So the membership site's all in there. And then we also use it to ClickFunnels to build landing pages. So these beautiful pages where people can read about something and, and then they can give you their email. And then I use Facebook and Twitter primarily as a way to meet people and network with people and grow the Facebook group. I've really relied heavily on a lot of free methods for most of my business. We're now just getting to a place where we're starting to spend money on Facebook ads. Being able to spend money on things sure makes things a lot faster, but it will never take away the fact that you still need to connect with people. You still need to care about people. You still need to invest in people. People still need to trust you, still need to tr like you. Right now, for example, I can spend two or three hours creating a YouTube video and we can edit it and do all of that. And we have one of our staff take care, handle all the editing and all of that, but we still need to film it, write out a script, film it, make sure it looks okay, send it to the guy, and then he makes it look pretty. Then he puts it on YouTube, but then we need to figure out, you know, where's that go to next? And then we need to build all that stuff out. But once it's built, it might be 20, 30 hours of work that then later is working for me. But the work no matter how much money you're earning or how much you can automate things, you still got to work. And so I'm very fortunate that what I do, I absolutely love doing. So it's not really work. How large a team do you have working with you on these things? We have five different people that work for us almost full time. And how do you manage your relationships with them? How do you manage your communications and your scheduling? All via email. Really? Yep. No, no, nothing more complicated than that? Nope. Just email and Skype whenever we need to, but we hardly ever do Skype. And then we have a lot of written instructions for them and stuff. Fantastic. Yep. So the place your business is in right now isn't where you were five years ago. And I'm curious how it, how it matches what your vision was for where you wanted to be. And what do you think you might take it next? You know, I didn't really expect to be here. I always envisioned myself 
to be a guy who was going to be teaching relationship stuff. And that's where I envisioned my business to be. And now I'm teaching relationships in a very different way than I envisioned. But I started with a vision. I'm going to do something that I absolutely love. It won't feel like work. I'll enjoy the people that I get to interact with. And I'll get to share my gifts and talents in the biggest way possible with the world. That part of the vision still remains true. It just looks different than I ever imagined. As far as where I envision my business going next, I just want to continually grow it. I'd like to see our business, you know, earning six figures a month. So I'd like to get to a point where we're making, you know, $100,000 a month. For me, that's like it's nuts to think about that. And it's, it's a beautiful vision and dream. We have a podcast that's running five times a week. And I'd like to see that reaching over a million downloads a month. And these are big visions. These are visions that will probably take me a while to get there. But I'm excited to do the work. I'm excited to, to watch it unfold. And I'm excited about the process. That's awesome. So where, where can my listeners find you online? Yeah, definitely. If you're interested in learning more about me or you just want to write me if I've somehow inspired you, it's been a real honor to sit here with you. If you've been listening to the show, just very much like both of us on this interview, David, one thing I know about you and I is that we're people who are committed to others. You and I are committed to excellence and we're people that really are motivated. And I know that if you've been listening, you've taken this much time to improve yourself and to spend time with somebody of value. You spent time with David and you decided to spend time with me and I'm a person of value too. So I know that you're a person of value and you're somebody who is doing something or is on the precipice of doing something great. I'd love to connect with you. Feel free to meet me over at thrivinglaunch.com. That's thriving launch, all one word, thrivinglaunch.com. You can find all my social media links there. You're welcome to write me a message in any kind of platform that you see me. And if you send me an email, I'm more likely to respond to you that way. If you just want to follow me on social media, please do. If you just want to get my emails, please do. I, I want to connect with you and I hope I can have an impact on your life. I hope that this interview has done that for you. And, and thank you so much for, for giving me that trust in your time. Well, thank you, Lewis. As, as one person of value to another person of value, I value the time that you've spent with us. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been great. Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at Hack the Process, leave a review for the show on iTunes, and visit HackTheProcess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>